0: How's everyone doing today? Um, you can open up to Philippians chapter two. I'm using the the King's translation this week for uh, intentional reasons. It'll be completely different than your uh, NIV, but you know if that's all you have, uh, you can you can listen closely. <laughs> And uh, As soon as you arrive at Philippians 2, uh, we'll go ahead and read the fifth verse and then open with a word of prayer. Is everyone there? Let's go with this reading. Okay, verse five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay. Lord, thank you for this Sunday or this opportunity to gather together. Our brothers and sisters, and sit at your feet and learn from you. I pray, God, that, you know, though I, uh, I'm not feeling super well, that you would just, you know, put that aside and um, that you'd you'd speak powerfully this morning, you know, to each one of us individually, uh, meet us right where we're at, and I pray, God, that you just have uh, something practical for. Uh, us to take away from this morning. Right, and I, I thank you for that. God, you're always so faithful to do that. All right, so it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> hey there, Corinne. So I spent uh, the, the majority of my, my evening and, uh, and early morning hours being violently ill. So you'll have to forgive me for uh, my my lack of energy this morning. I actually got a little winded walking up the stairs. So (laughs) that's not just because of my uh, robust physique. Uh, It's it's actually more than that. Um, Okay, so let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul writing from his prison cell uh, here to uh, the Philippian church, uh, speaking linearly about humility and unity uh, touches on a truth uh, that, that is wonderful and eternal and something that I'd always really kind of ignored to get past it, to see the, the meat on the other end of it. Um, but but it's, 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 it'll be the subject of our consideration uh, today because I, I think that the, the, I'm just beginning uh, to realize the, the importance of discovering and, and walking in the mind of Christ and letting his mind uh, be my mind, even being cognizant uh, that, that his mind is so often not my mind, uh, is, is an essential step. So hopefully we take that step together uh, here this morning and uh, then, then we take a, f- a few more, a very uncomfortable ones, uh, maybe an awkward message, just for all of us. You know, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, the high school group uh, we're meeting on Thursdays. It's called Refuge. Jeffrey Veets dubbed us thusly. Um, I think it's a fabulous name. Uh, we're, we've been meeting now for uh, a few months, and it's very strange. Just the most atypical youth group I've ever been a part of or seen. Uh, it's it's bizarre in so many just wonderful and very special. Ways. And I don't have enough minutes this morning to uh, enumerate all of those reasons, but uh, this month we've been discussing. Our uh, resolutions—these things that we want to accomplish this year—these these, these uh, you know practical works that we want to step into, uh, and we want to see God just move and work. And and and, and our plan is to first you know pour into uh, the the group and, and and enrich you know refuge, and then from the overflow pour out into the community, and then uh, beyond out into the the uttermost parts of the world, and and, and you know just the the the. Uh, I, I guess the ideal end would be to have someone uh, you know out in uh, Uganda you know just say ah refuge those kids fabulous kids right and that's, that's that's the goal that's what we're going to do this year and I don't think it's too much to ask uh, to accomplish all of this in one year I mean you, you consider the life of one man and his 12 friends and and allowing his mind to be our mind and nothing seems uh, impossible. Nothing should appear insurmountable, and so uh, the, the, we, we want to allow that mind to to uh, to permeate everything uh, that 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 we're either consciously or subconsciously, unconsciously aware of, until the the wholeness of his mind, the way that he sees, views, considers the world, becomes ours. Um, There are a few obstacles that we'll encounter setting out to do this. There are three specific things uh, that that I want to lay out here this morning, three things that we think uh, that, that exist in our mind, that do not exist in the mind of Christ. And these things we need to confront head-on and, and remove. Uh, and because they're not in the mind of Christ, they ought not be in our mind. Um, so we're going to focus our time on that. And my goal is to be as, as uh, you know, just as practical as I can possibly be. All right? If the sun rose in the east this morning, that means that God isn't done. Right? There's still something that we need to accomplish. There's still a work that can be uh, begun. There's still a part that we can play. So I want to lay all that out for us today, and, and I want us to see you know where we fit in this you know beautiful masterpiece that God is putting together. Um, but first, I'm going to begin with the idea itself. Okay, And it's most common formation. Maybe this isn't your formation, but this is something that I think of quite often, and this is the way that it's frequently presented to ministries. So if you are a note taker, you can write this down. They should begin blank. They should begin blank. Uh, you know, when we think about you know this work and 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 how much of it there is to still accomplish, and we look out uh, upon you know our community or upon the world at large, and, and and or even just just Genesis right here right now, and we think they need to start home groups again, right? Has anyone thought that? And you're looking at Cody, and you're like, Cody, what are you doing with yourself over there? Just enjoying yourself in your life. You need to start home groups again, right? And and and, and we we look at Sam, right? And we think uh, we need to start a college group again. I remember when we had a college group without like college students, without really any of them. And uh, now we have some, and there's no college group, right? Is there a college group? Am I forgetting it? Or we stopped it, right? Yeah. So we're sitting there, and we're like, we need to start a college group. You like they should they should start a men's group. Or or what they need is a woman's group, right? Or, 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 you know, I wish that they did more for the homeless community. Why don't they do more to reach out to the homosexual community? They should offer vacation Bible school for the kids. And this is what I want to say, and I want you to write it down. No, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. You should. I should. Okay, because I think that we need to consider that as this idea is coming in, if God has put it in your heart, he may very well have already placed it on your plate. Right? Those moments are a glimpse into the mind of Christ, into the heart of Christ, where his mind is uniquely presented and, and set before us, and it's an opportunity for us to gain the mind of Christ because it's not natural for us to think about the needs of others. You know, naturally, we're all quite selfish. I don't wake up in the morning and think, you know, they, they look hungry. I should go feed them. I wake up in the morning and think, I'm hungry. I should feed me. All right? I bring home my paycheck and I don't think, hey, you know what I should do? I should, I should totally give this paycheck away. All right? I think, no, I worked for this paycheck. I'm going to go buy some bacon. All right? <laughs> And then I'm going to eat that bacon because it's delicious and I earned it, right? This is the mind of man. This is our mind, right? This isn't the mind of Christ. We have these glimpses into the mind of Christ where God puts this idea in, in, our, in our heads. And, and he didn't put that idea in Sam's head. He didn't put that idea in Gil's head, which, by the way, happy birthday. You look fabulous. I don't know how old you are, twenty-seven, I'm gonna assume. But he didn't put that idea in Gil's head, or Alex's head, you know, or Val or Beth, or Mary, or Corinne, or or my head. Very little is going on in my head right now. But he did he did with you. Right? Why? Why did he do that? Why did he put that idea in your head? Right? And, 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 and why is he making his thoughts, you know, your thoughts, uh, thoughts to reach out and, and enrich and to step out in, in faith and do something and share something or try something to give your faith feet. And, and, and so often, rather than capture that Christ thought and recognize it for what it is, that this didn't come from man because man would not naturally think such a thing, we immediately set up obstacles and we immediately disqualify ourselves and feel very comfortable doing it. I want to make us feel very uncomfortable doing that today, right? which is just a bad idea for guest speaking. Right? You don't want to do that. I want to make everyone feel uncomfortable. That's why I'm guest speaking. But, but, but the first thing that I naturally do, and, and so I'll, I'll say this for myself, right? And if this, this isn't you, then you can, you know, uh, I don't know. Think about football, right? That's what people think about, isn't it? I don't know. It's football season, I assume. But you can tell the extent of my knowledge when they said, "Are they going to be doing that on Sunday?" And I was like, "I don't know. Is football on Sunday?" <laughs> Apparently, it is. The first thought that I usually think is, I don't have time, I'm too busy. I don't have time, I'm too busy. And I was thinking about this uh, the the other day as I was driving home from work and it was somewhere on Euclid that I had this idea that popped into my head that never popped into my head before. Um, that I've been busy for the better part of the entirety of my Christianity. And I can extend that really to say the entirety of my existence. Right? There was a time when I was in three bands, and I was too busy. And I'm, I'm working three jobs, and I'm too busy. And, and I'm in college, and I'm, I'm too busy. And around every corner, there are these opportunities. But I'm too busy. right? And these ministerial impressions that weigh heavy upon my heart and sit in my mind, but I'm too busy. But here's the reality. We're never actually too busy. Right. And I'm going to say that, and if you're like, no, here I am, I'm the exception, um, then we'll talk after, I'll let you yell at me for a while. Now, I don't want this to be legalistic, I don't want this to be burdensome to any of you people, I love you all. Right? and we're going to talk about that also in the message today, so that should be fun. Um, but it, here's the reality of it. If you were too busy... God wouldn't have spoken it to you in the first place. Why would he do that? Why would he taunt you with that idea? Something that you couldn't actually step into. Because the reality is that we make time for things that are important to us. You know, if I was really too busy in college, I would have never married Corinne. You know, I would have been like, hey, you know, I have like a a, a plethora of units. So, you know. Sorry, sorry, sweetheart. But no, she was important to me, so I married her, right? If if I was really too busy at work, which is something I say constantly, I work fifty plus hours a week, you know, so it's so easy for me to say when something comes up, no, can't do it, I'm too busy. But if I was really too busy with work, we would have never taken miles home from the hospital, right? It would have been, you know, she's rolling him out, and he's on the curb, and I'm like, okay, here's a bottle. Welcome to your new home, Uh, because I don't have any minutes to spare. I'm incredibly busy. But I would never do that, because Miles is so important to me, and Corinne is so important to me. They're important to me, so I make time for them, and I find that time everywhere. It's really all around me when I'm looking for it it's just about giving it to them because they're important to me are god's thoughts not as important to me and that's a question that we all need to consider all right and so much of what we do keeps us so busy that day after week after month after year we get to a point where we finally stop and we go what am i doing i think that this is the greatest problem of our modern era it's busy we're like hamsters on a wheel and what are we actually doing? Now, turn with me to Isaiah chapter six. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Uh, Isaiah chapter six, beginning in verse one. <clears throat> Isaiah 6:1 says, "In the year that king Ziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, and high and lifted up, the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from, uh, or with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. You know, nothing makes you cease habitual busy activity like a death. So it's no no surprise that this story begins with a death, the calling of Isaiah. Begins with the death, and it's this occasion where he just stops and takes stock and sees God for who God is, and all of His Majesty and all of His might, and he repents and he lays it all out there before God, and it's all at the forefront of him. Then he has this, or he hears this conversation, and I want you to, I want you to look again at verse eight because it'll, it'll speak to you. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?" And then I said. Here am I, send me. Now listen closely because this should sound familiar, right? These words. And if you're, uh, if you, if you're you know, familiar with Isaiah, he's a prophet in Judah, a very, very busy uh, time in ministry, just overwhelmed with obligations. He's educated and privileged and, and distinguished, very busy. And he overhears this conversation, who will go for us? And something needs to be done. Who's going to do it? And God doesn't say, because he's right there, Isaiah's there, Isaiah's the only one there. He doesn't say, Isaiah, do it. This is what I want you to do. I want you to step into this. I want you to be a man and, and rise to the occasion. This is it, Isaiah. Go, do. God doesn't say that. And I think that this is an insight into the character of God and and in the mind of Christ. He doesn't say you. The impression is just something that lays on our heart, isn't it? Something needs to be done. All of a sudden it pops into your brain. Hey, look, there's there's a need there. You become aware of something that you weren't aware of before. And and who's going to do it? And now look at Isaiah's response. Here they are, Lord, send them. Is that what he says? No. Here Sam is, Lord, send him. Is that what he says? No. Yeah, no. And this is important because God, although He doesn't direct, address Him uh, specifically, right? He He makes Him aware of this opportunity. And Isaiah immediately jumps on it and says, here I am, send me. He chose you by bringing this idea to you. I think that's a heavy thing for all of us to consider, but that's the reality of it. He chose you by making you aware Right? Don't discard that thought and come up with all kinds of excuses. You'll always be busy. There will never be a neon sign that will appear and say, this is it. This is the opportunity. This is your advantageous window. Leap into it. Take advantage of it. Right, And as a result of that, we, we end up thinking quite often, well, as soon as I'm finished with school or, or as soon as I get married or, or, or as soon as, you know, we, we have our baby, or as soon as my baby is, is grown up, or as soon as my baby moves out. Or or as soon as I'm retired, or as soon as I get a hip replacement, and all these things. That's what we tend to think, you know? And once the hip is in place, I'll be mobile, and then I can go do stuff, all right? And, and, but, but, you know, we just keep on putting it off, and putting it off, and putting it off. And if, if God is putting it on your heart, he's not putting it on your heart for 10 years from now. He's not putting it on your heart uh, for, for uh, you know, your retirement years, your golden years. He's putting it on your heart because he's saying, look, there's a need. Who's going to take care of it? I'm making you aware of it so that you have an opportunity to step into it. Don't say you're too busy. If you were too busy, I wouldn't have told you about it in the first place. Right? Well, there's another excuse. Another obstacle that we set up immediately after this one. I can't do it. This is my own, my own pet thought. This is my favorite I've actually shared about this one several times, um, but we're going to camp out on this one. I have nourished this thought well into adulthood. Right? I can't do it. And I think, okay, well, I'll make time for it, but I can't do it. I'm not the right person for it. God should really choose someone else. Right? They'd be much better at it. There's a very practical exercise. I'm going to count to three, and I want everyone in here to say their name. Don't worry about it. It's going to be a little bit weird. But everyone's going to do it with you. Right? So count to three, everyone say their name. One, two, three, Michael. Right? There you go. That's fantastic. Now let me ask you a question. Is Billy here? Billy Graham here? No? Billy isn't here? is not right? Is Greg Laurie here? Is Charles Spurgeon somewhere smoking a cigar in the back of the room? No, he's not here. None of those people are here. Do you know why they're not here? God doesn't want them here. God wants you here. And that's a heavy thing to think about. But in all of the world, through all of time, from Genesis to Revelation, God chose to put you where you're at, when you're at, for a reason. And he knows what he's saying to you, and he knows you. You. In all of your mistakes and all of your imperfections and all of your weird idiosyncrasies, it's you, right? He chose you. you know, God's not saying, you know, hey, can you like tell Tiffany what's up? She's really cool and talented. I really want her to do some stuff. She's amazing, that Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany, not Tiffany. Who would be named Tiffany? No, it's you. It's you, not Tiffany. Forget about Tiffany. I don't even know a Tiffany. It's you. You know something? I, As much as I think I can't do it, it's very easy to fall into the reverse trap of that. And this is what I've begun to see more and more with the advent of social media, is to begin to think that they can't do it. You know, we have now with Facebook a million and one reasons to dismiss anyone from anything that they would do in their pursuit of God or in their work for God. You know, everything from spelling or grammatical errors that we see people write, and we think that, well, they're not smart enough to do anything of value for God. Or, or a drunken night, you know, that they post about, and then they regret and immediately repent of. And, and we think, well, they're, they're a mess. They can't be used by God. But here's The truth there's no real reason why God should use any of us, right I can 't figure it out and i 'm not justifying uh, sin i 'm just letting God deal with people. you know God is so much more gentle and so much less judgmental than we are so often. You know, the bottom line is God using any human is inefficient and messy, but he does you know God made his thoughts. Rahab's thoughts when she was a harlot. He did the same thing with Samson when Samson was a womanizing drunk. God made his thoughts David's thoughts when David was an adulterer and a murderer. God made his thoughts Peter's thoughts when Peter denied him three times. He said, I don't know the man. God made his thoughts Paul's thoughts when Paul was murdering those that claimed to be Christians. Any one of those people, uh, I would have been like, hey, that's a curtain call. They're done. Right? We need to move on. These are terrible people. How could they ever be used for the glory of God? But God said, no. They are exactly the person that I want to use. I want to do something special in and through them. So we need to be less critical of others and we need to be less critical of ourselves because we are amongst those from all of God's creation that he has handpicked to impact Upland in a unique way right now. And let that sink in and totally mess with your head because that's exactly how it is. God could have chose anyone, but He didn't. He chose you, so He must think that you're pretty amazingly capable of doing whatever it is that He's putting on your heart to do. Now, um, I'm not saying that you need to do everything, you know, uh, that someone else does, and you, even that you need to do everything by yourself. One of my favorite preachers was a guy by the name of D.L. Moody. If anyone had an excuse, to not do what God put on his heart to do, it would be D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was completely illiterate, right? I mean, uh, here's, he couldn't put a sentence together. I mean, forget about like Facebook grammatical, you know, errors, and this guy, uh, wow. Completely, completely uneducated person. So you know what he did? He grabbed Ira Sankey. Have you, how many people have heard of D.L. Moody here? Right? A lot of you. How many of you have heard of Iris Sankey? Not as much, right? The, the, the holy rollers in the back, maybe. <laughs> right, but the surf's up front. No bueno, right? So, <laughs> so I mean, here's the thing. D.L. Moody wouldn't have been D.L. Moody without Ira Sankey. Ira Sankey was, he was a singer. And he was an amazingly gifted singer. And when he sang... In the most prestigious universities all over the world, it was like a chorus of angels was hanging over the crowd, and people were mystified by his singing. He was like Alex. Alex blows me away sometimes with his singing. It's like the richest, most beautiful thing I could ever conceive of. And that was Sankey. And then Dio Moody, immediately after Sankey got off the stage, He would take the stage and he would say things like, young men, don't never say that God don't love you, for he do. That statement is so grammatically bonkers, it makes my head feel like it's going to explode. But he would say that and thousands of people got saved. Thousands of people. It's easy to say that you're not the right person to do whatever it is that God is whispering in your ears about for this new year but then why isn't he whispering those things in someone else's ear? because he doesn't want them. He wants you. you know, grab a Sankey if you need a partner uh, you know talk to Sam or one of the other leaders if you need a mentor. But don't ignore that whisper because those aren't your thoughts. Those are God's thoughts. You need to allow them to be your own. Again, this is the last one. <clears throat> it's another favorite of mine. I don't really need to do it. It won't matter all that much anyways. Right? I don't need to do it. It's not really a big deal. It's not going to matter all that much. Um you're going to have a really hard time convincing me that that one's true. A few years ago, right, when I was ministering at a church not very far from here, um, I was teaching on Sundays, and it was a rather large room um, you know, filled with, with high schoolers. But it wasn't too big and it wasn't too crowded for me to miss the, the giant of a man that appeared in the back. He came in quietly, he sat in the back, um, and, and he never said a word, and he left as soon as the teaching was done. And it went on like this for weeks, so I, I didn't have an opportunity to actually talk to him. Um, and, and eventually I did. I caught him, I said amen, and then I ran back. <laughs> and, and I trapped him right before he got out the door. And, and I said, you know, uh, you're clearly not a high schooler. The guy looked like he was in his mid-30s. yeah. So it's was like, so what are you doing here? And here was this giant of a man, but he was timid and he was gentle and he was filled with this wonderful childlike excitement that was surprising and touching. And he apologized uh, for sitting in. He said that he really enjoyed the teaching and he would really appreciate it if I allowed him to, to come in, that he wouldn't bother anyone, and that I wouldn't even know that he was there. Um, and, of course, I was thinking, like, yeah, you kind of stand out. <laughs> it's like high school student, high school student, Goliath. He's <laughs> you know, a massive dude. Um, but I told him, yeah, of course, you can, you can come, you can hang out. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm glad that you're, you know, uh, enjoying the uh, the studies. And he reached out. I'll never forget it. First time it's ever happened to me in my entire life. So I usually have, you know, cat-like reflexes. (laughs) But he reached out with these giant, massive hands and grabbed me and pulled me in. And and he completely knocked the wind out of me. I've never been hugged by such a mountain of a man. (laughs) And and week after week, there he sat, you know, this this silent giant in the back, and and he wasn't in there, you know, during during the worship. Most times, he just you know, as soon as I would get up there to start talking, I'd look back, and there he was, just smiling from ear to ear, just radiating love. Um, and the only thing that had changed is that is that now every time after I. Said Amen with the last prayer. Uh, he wouldn't move. He would wait until he had an opportunity to give me one of those those monumental hugs. It was just you know so real and full of love. It was like Jesus hugging me every Sunday. It was amazing. Um, one week I came in early, which is was pretty rare, um, and I was in my you know a little office set on the side of the youth room and i was working on my message cuz it, it still wasn't done you know because i'm always so busy so it still wasn't done <laughs> and and i heard this the door swish open very quietly then i heard it swish closed and i opened up the door to look out and and here's this man this this massive man just quietly setting up chairs all around the youth room just smiling from ear to ear so happy to be doing it Silently setting up his chairs as like a little church mouse in there and then just leaves. He's he's gone before any of the kids come in. All the children arrive. Worship begins. Everyone's sitting in their chairs and they have no idea how they appeared Um, and and then after the message uh, there he is to give me one of those giant hugs all over again and then week after week now now setting up disappearing reappearing smiling hugging then leaving and then one week i looked back there and i noticed that he wasn't alone and there were there were two of them now and then the week after that i realized that there were three and the week after that there were there were even more and And I realized that he was picking up kids, high school kids, from his neighborhood. And he was bringing them all to youth group. And now every single one of them, every single one of them, they're all in there early. They're all smiling. They're all setting up. Smiling from ear to ear. Beaming with joy. And they're all vigorously hugging me after the message and it was at that moment that I realized that I had absolutely nothing to do with it I had absolutely nothing to do with this amazing thing that was happening in the youth group it was all this giant of a man that I hardly heard ever utter a word so I can't imagine how those conversations were initiated with all those high schoolers that he brought in couldn't come to any other conclusion than he just had such a radiant joy filled with the love of the Lord that it just naturally happened. And you know, when I left that church, I thought I would never see that man again. Um, two youth ministries have come and gone since then. And you know what? Uh, I may have had different thoughts uh, a few years ago but I doubt it. It's never been for large rooms and hundreds of kids and dynamic speakers. I'm assuming that I'm not one of them in this equation. I'm not that guy. It's never been that. I, I found myself wanting nothing more than a bunch, than a bunch of, of James, because it is James. I never thought I'd see him again. And then here he is, that giant of a man. Changed my ministry more than just about anyone else that came through it. And you know what? I bet, I bet you a million dollars, there was never a moment that he thought that he was really doing anything that special. You know? Stop. Stop. There was uh, about eight years ago, I was walking through the halls of a church and uh, a woman came up to me. I didn't know her name at the time. First time I'd ever met her. Uh, She came up to me and she said, you know what, I heard that you're doing youth ministry. I heard it's going great. You're doing such a great job. Keep it up. It was Beth. It was the first time I ever met Beth. And she said that when I was having conversations with Corinne about quitting youth ministry because I felt like I was completely ineffective. You know, I was praying about starting up a new youth ministry here, praying about this whole like refuge idea. And um, Thursday was the only day that we can do it, but Thursday still wouldn't work because it would be in the evening and I wouldn't have you know my parents to watch Miles in the evening, they don't feel comfortable watching him at night. You know, like at night he becomes a werewolf or something. <laughs> and and um and I I couldn't I couldn't be without Corinne because Corinne is so uh, I feel like she's so essential to to youth ministry and and so much of what I'm able to do is because of her. And so I, I thought, you know, just speaking realistically, it's probably not going to happen. And then uh, Linda, Linda Dimbleby, um, she said, you know, that's great. I heard that you're starting this thing. I get to have another, uh, another evening with Miles. You know, before I even asked her, because I wouldn't have asked her, because she already does so much. I think you'd all be surprised by how many stories there are not just from me but from everyone in this room about how profoundly you impact lives. You change the course of history with the little things that you do. And so often, I'm so sure, we don't think we're really doing anything at all. Now listen, the things we do, the things you do matter really do. Every last piece is orchestrated by by god like a mosaic and it all comes together these weird little pieces just like we're a bunch of weird little people except for James cuz he's giant. <laughs> <laughs> but when we decide that we're we're not too busy right when we decide that we're not going to Remove ourselves from the equation when we decide that we're an asset to the kingdom of God, that we can contribute, that we do contribute, even when we're not aware of it, it all comes together. And it's amazing to behold. So don't ever think that what you're doing or what you will do isn't important. You know, in those moments when you're helping out in the children's ministry, in those moments where you're running sound or the media, you know, in those moments where you're taking sign-ups or setting up chairs or encouraging someone, or praying for someone, or watching someone's baby, I just have to imagine that those are the moments that, that Jesus is up in heaven and he's saying, look at that, Dad. That one looks just like me. You know because that's when we allow his mind to overwhelm overtake our mind okay so I want to do something practical so enough touchy-feely stuff this is what I want you to do um, is we have a few minutes left if you're like if you are like me um, then you come on Sundays with a notebook and a pencil right uh, if you're uh, like Sam, then you come with like a tablet and a phone. Whatever it is. I don't care what it is. You have something that you can make a note in. This is what I want you to do. I want you to write down one thing that God is putting on your heart in your mind to accomplish this new year. Maybe it's something that he put on your heart or in your mind years ago. And you've been putting it off. And maybe it's been because you were you perceived that you were too busy or uh, that that you you couldn't do it, or that it wasn't really all that important anyways. I want you to write that thing down. And maybe it's you know uh, not starting something new it's not as dramatic as you know uprooting your family and moving to Africa uh, maybe it's just being a part of something. You know here maybe it's helping out with something or consistently praying uh, for for something whatever it is I want you to write down okay now when you have uh, that thing whatever it is down on your paper I want you to make a decision I want you to make a decision that if this is from God that I'm not going to be too busy. Because this is important. It was important enough to God, for God, to impart it to me, to communicate it to me. So it should be important enough for me to remember it, to not make excuses about being too busy, to step into it. Next, I want you to make a decision that this isn't a note for anyone else. This isn't a note for your wife or your husband or your brother or your sister or your kids or your friends. This has nothing to do with Tiffany. Their notes are all different. Okay, This note, this is for you. Third, I want you to make a decision that your note is part of this eternal mosaic, this thing that, that is... Is pieces scattered all over the globe in every region and recess that people populate. Going back from the beginning of time all the way through the end of time, that it's important, that what you have just written down is important. It's not something that I, I want you to think, well, who really cares anyways, because it's just setting up chairs. Or who really cares, anyways, because I'm just encouraging someone. I don't want you to shy away from it because this thing is a part of God's great work of art. And I want you to leave here today with that note, with that remembrance. And, you know, if you need to speak to a leader about your next step, we'll be up here. If you want uh, to seek prayer or guidance, That's what we're here for. But I want you to have this thing with you. I want it to rest in your mind for it to not be something that you cast asunder as soon as you walk out the door. This is how the mind of Christ becomes our mind living for Christ today. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Lord for this morning that we've had together. and thank you for this opportunity for us to consider what you would do in us individually, through us specifically and, and corporately, Lord, to impact our community. It's no accident that we're all here. Everything is orchestrated with intent. You've masterfully set everything into place because you know that the way it is is the way it ought to be. If we would simply step into it, we would not shy away from it. I pray, God, for boldness or because we'll need it. I thank you, God, that you so graciously impart it I pray for each and every person that's here today. Lord, that today would be something that they remember. That it would be beginning of something beautiful. And I thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah.